I sought the Lord and the answer
my heart, oh God. Let's sing one more song before our brother comes. Change my heart, oh God. Amen. That's our desire this morning. Amen. Change my heart, oh God. Make it Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to be in this atmosphere with the singing and the songs. Lord, we believe they're not just manufactured from, from an earthly realm, but Lord, the inspiration from a heavenly, a life resonating behind them. And Father, now as we lift our hands, we're submitting ourselves to you. You are the Lord of all. You are the coming King, O oh Father. And we believe, O oh Lord, and therefore we're gathered together, Lord, knowing we must assemble ourselves as we see the day approaching. Lord, let this not be just something that passes in a natural realm. Let it not just be words that are heard naturally, spoken naturally, but Lord, let the Spirit of God come behind it. Lord, anoint them to the heart, anoint the speaker, anoint our beings, Father. We want to be with you one day, so we want to make much of this time. Thank you for every song that's been sung, everyone that's gathered in, some that aren't with us, but Lord, we welcome you now, wherever your people are gathered. Now bless us, we commit ourselves to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all the singing we'll do. Let's go to the... Bible to the book of Jude, if you will. Welcome you this morning. Good to be here in the house of the Lord. I'll make an announcement or two, but let's just read the scripture first. Jude, we'll read from verses 3 to 5. 
and then we'll read a little further after that. Sure, wonderful atmosphere. Could take those songs and just start preaching right from there. <laughs> God bless you, Brother Judah, Sister Alicia. Really appreciate it. God bless you all that are here this morning. Verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That means press in. Keep moving forward. Verse 4, why, why, what for? There's an enemy. And it's even here he says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Let me also read verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. You can hold your finger there and you may have your seats. Just want to welcome you all this morning. Just um, maybe if I can, just a way of just a couple of reminders, announcement. Sunday school starts at 9.45. So if you arrive at 9.40, you'll be in great shape. Help the teachers, help every one of us. I know when the weather's cold, that's a little harder to achieve, but as much as possible, let's, let's work toward that. Sunday school at 9.45. want to make a, a note. Um, this last week, Brother Frank Steves went into the hospital. He had some blood clots and things. I don't know if he's still there, Sister Lisa, if uh, he's not or not. But anyway, he's still there? He is, okay. Um, Sister Joyce, I didn't even see you till there. God bless you. Let's remember our brother Frank, and it's Leduc Hospital. All right, we remember our brother Frank. We also remember the others that are in prayer, Brother Glenn McIntyre. We see you here, Brother Glenn. God bless you. God bless your faithfulness. Also, Sister Ruth Hoyer, those that are, have needs in the body. Uh, yesterday, many of you may not know the sister, but Sister Ann Stewart went to be with the Lord. She passed away at the age of 89. That's Brother Newton and Sister Ann, but Sister Ann passed away. That would be the grandmother of Sister Ruth Nunweiler, and uh, we, we just remember that family. Also, this last week, there was um, an event that happened on Tuesday, January 23rd. Uh, Josh and Brittany Stahl and family, they gave me this little note. I'll just read it like it says. Would like to welcome Jack Elias, born Tuesday, January 23rd, weighing seven pounds, eight ounces. He is such a handsome boy. <laughs> I think the grandmother wrote that. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I see that both grandmothers are here. They always come out at a time like this, but we're happy for them. God bless them. We'll look forward to seeing him when he's here. 
Okay, let's, let's kind of get into the thought. If you still haven't on, on the book of Jude, I would also like to read verses 17 to 20. Just trying to find the channel in which I go. I was trying, spent quite a bit of time yesterday. I've got a lot of thoughts, but you always just try to find the channel. Where do you enter in? Where do you go out? And that's a labor. And if I, I just was spent a lot of time doing that. So if I didn't respond to anybody who texted me, I apologize. But I was really trying to find the place God wanted. Let's read verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken of, that were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the Spirit. Notice those words, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Go back with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. I, I, I put these down, and I really have more preliminaries, but as I was just this morning, I'm going to likely just jump into skipping some of that, but just moving right into a thought to get where I want to get to. Paul would write to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 1, For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you, for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, having that your hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now he'll begin to say, and I say these things, and, and really my goal and my focus today is, let's be built up in Christ. Let's know where we're standing. Let's be rooted because the enemy will come against us somewhere. But we are taught that we are here to resist him. And if we resist him, he will flee from us. Now there's only, you can't resist him in yourself, in your own mind, in your own strength. But if you're armed with the word of God, you will have all the powers of heaven behind you. So now Paul is telling them, this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Now, I, I want you to notice the entrance of the enemy. The entrance is not by force. Soldiers, demon soldiers don't come with machine guns and barge in here. Rather, they'll come through. They'll enter your mind as a thought. They'll, they'll come into your thought. They'll, they'll, they'll get you dwelling in a channel, moving in a channel. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're so far down the road. And, and then he'll tell you you've gone too far. And then he'll, he'll, he'll keep circulating. But we've got to resist him. And so this morning, we're resisting him, and we want to be built up. So Paul will say now in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit 
after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. We'll stop there. I'm just taking a few things. I'm going to read something this morning, and it is, uh, and it'll be the basis from where actually the text comes from today. In the beginning, when God made man, he made him a spirit man first. And after he made him a spirit man, that was in Genesis 1, verses 26 to 27, and that was a theophany being, but then he made him uh, out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed the breath of life into him, Genesis 2, verse 7. Now, Brother Branham would say, now, he says, I believe in evolution, but not the way that the scientists teach it. Everything comes after his own kind. But he says, what God starts in the beginning, he evolutes up. Now, let me just take the thoughts. Now, if you notice the way God did in the world, it was in his mind. And if you'll notice, it came like evolution. He was learning more all the time, something greater and greater. But he was above it all, and he just let it evolute up to that. Now, let me, let me take this. He says, now, there's, there's more I could. I just need to be brief here. He says, like my body was built, it started in the spine, but it wasn't all spine. It went to ribs, to lungs, to hands, to arms, and it brought me out in the person that I am. So was God manifesting in the beginning. He appeared as Jehovah, God the Father, then God the Son, and then God the Holy Ghost, the same God, all the time, three manifestations of the same God. And then he would he'd make this statement, now God, he, every generation, he adds a new part of his book, it all goes together. I don't have time to read it, but he allots his word to every generation. He allotted a word to Luther, and, and if you were a seed of God in the day of Luther, he put something in you that the spirit in you would connect with the word that Luther was bringing in that day. Now, I, I, I don't know what I, what I would have done. My, I've, I've looked back at Luther and thought about it, but there was something in me. There was something in Luther like those angels that were in heaven that resisted Satan's lie. Luther could not go along with what he'd done. God built Luther that way. He gave him a message, and there were saints that, that, that caught that spirit and said, I, I agree with that. Now, he, he had that in Luther, another part in Wesley, another part in Pentecost, right down to this day. And, and, and what you've got, what I've got, is not just a learning, a higher form of learning, but a greater part of the manifestation of the Spirit for the Word of the day. And, and if you have that Spirit, and that it really will go into a, a Wednesday service, He will lead you and guide you, and direct you into all truth. And he will be your comforter. He will be your advocate. He will be your assistant. It, 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 you, I'll tell you, we need to learn to rely more on him and less on our own selves. We're depending on him. 
Now, so, so he allots his word. Now, I'm going to read this portion. I'm reading this out of the Invisible Union. And he says, now God has lauded his word from the beginning. Just like evolution came, the first thing God created, maybe, well actually he would say in a place, in, I believe the first thing he created was angels. And he created the angels and he'll have a basis and I'll go into it right away. And he says, and then he started because the angels, they watched God creating. They watched the word go out and they watched things happen. So they were privy. What a, what a balcony. What an what a audience to have as God's creating. Now he says, he says, now let's say God created botany life, animal life, human life, kind of an evolution rising higher. Now he says this, so has it been with God and his church. Justification under Luther. Sanctification. Now pulling out his bride. Now that's pulling his bride out. Now he's creating his bride. And he says, he, the evolution of the spirit being given more and more because the body is building, coming to the head, which is Christ, the body of Christ. Now, I'll, I'll just take from there the, the words Brother Branham would use, the evolution of the spirit. I'm going to call this, this morning, the evolution of a spirit. And I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to take a different channel right away where we're going to go into, just because I, I feel I need to, to take this. So, so and, and this is part and parcel of what God just laid on my heart from the beginning of the year, is we are not just here... Uh, to be a punching bag for the devil. We, but we need to, as Brother Brandon would take in certain messages like the contest and different ones, he said we need to learn. He says, I want to bring something, and the contest was spoken um, in 1963, but, and it was just at the end of, sorry, it was at the end of 62 going into 63, but he says, I want to speak things that will enlighten you, that will help you, that will learn to keep the punches off of you. Right? Listen, we don't have to be sick. No, no, there's, there's, sin has already been judged. Healing has been paid for. We don't have to be sick. But the enemy wants to make us sick. And, and I, I believe it's in the message Brother Branham would, would speak in the message, Fundamental Foundation of Faith, and he would say, God designed a man's body. He designed all the parts, the different gifts were put together. Now Satan, by the laws of sin and death, makes everything that's sin and death, it operates together. Satan sends a cancer. Man recognizes it, receives it. Now listen, Satan sends heartaches. We recognize it, and we receive it. Now, if Satan, by his power, can make his laws work in man, how much more ought God, with his power, make his laws to work in man? I don't have to receive everything he sends my way. I don't have to go to a premature grave. I don't have to suffer unnecessarily. Why? Because God has purchased these things for me. And he sent his word, and he healed them. Why? He sent his word. 
I, 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 we had a, we had a, uh, we had a Friday night youth service. Brother John spoke. It was a real blessing. And I, I would say, encourage you to, to, to listen to it. It was wonderful. And tonight we have Brother Max speaking. But I'm just saying is, we, we, we believe that God is ministering to us service by service. He's leading us. We're not just filling in a schedule or time, but we're looking for God to move. Now he says, if Satan can do that, he says, now, if we recognize his, God's laws, the power of, of healing, revelation, gifts, manifestations of the Spirit, the law of sin and death works in people. The law of the liberty of Christ has come to set us free from these things. Now, Brother Branham will say this. I believe with all my heart that we're nearing the age when people are going to recognize these things. Why? Because God has determined it. We are not going to be held under the fear of death. We are not going to be held under the bondage of corruption. Why? Because the glorious liberty of the sons of God has come in this last day. And we are moving to it. Service by service, message by message, prayer by prayer. We are not standing still. We're the army of God that's moving forward. I believe we're living in that age. So that's, that's my focus and my goal, giving you the, the prelude to where I'm going. Jude would say, certain men have crept in unawares. Paul would actually say, after my departing, grievous wolves will come. There'll be heresies arise among you. If we're not careful, we'll look at the message and we'll take the negatives of the message or the things that are around the message and we'll group that in with the whole. No, actually, that's a sign that God is with us. Satan is attacking this like never before. But I'll say, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now he says, Israel was on a journey out of Egypt, and he says there was a pattern natural. There was a pattern natural, he said, the, the people that, having God saved the people of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And then he, Paul just, or Jew just slips into, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their habitation, and, and he speaks about them at the beginning, and he says, they're going to be held under everlasting chains under darkness to the judgment of the day. So something happened that manifest in a spiritual realm, but it also translated to the earthly. Now just give me a little bit of time to, to work through this. 1 Corinthians 10. We've read it often lately, but I'll just go to it, and I won't read all of it. But in verse 1, Paul will say, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I won't read it all, but you can go. It says they're all baptized the same. They all ate the same thing. They all drank the same thing. But it said with many of them, God was not pleased. And he says how, because it manifested how? In lust. It manifested in idolatry. It manifested in fornication, in tempting God, and also in murmuring. 
Now, now, these were all things that God had no pleasure in. And I say, it's very easy to slip into any one of these things because that is the world around us. I don't know how many people read the news and are happy with the political party that's in power. Not too many. Even if you are a liberal, you're not happy. Why? Because nothing's good. Brother Bam says, politics will not be the answer. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're in Canada or you're in the U.S. or in Europe or wherever you are. That's not the answer. And I, and I say, but the spirit that's on, it's a spirit of lawlessness. It exists not just in, in the land, but it exists among the government as well. There was a brother named Hugh Shantz. He was at the time of Brother Branham. He lived in Arizona. He was, a, he, he was in Arizona, but he was in British Columbia. He was a member of the legislative party. He was the Speaker of House for the British Columbia um, uh, government. And, and he was a man, I met him. I, I met him you know, a number of years back, and, and we just chatted. And he said, he was very concerned, and he asked Brother Branham, is it right for me to be where I am? And he said, Brother Hugh, you stay there as long as you can because there'll come a time, as long as you can make a difference, there'll come a time when you won't be able to. We're in that time. You, and Brother Adam would say it. He'd say, in Jezebel, you put a George Washington and Abe Lincoln in every office of the country, you can't turn it back anymore. It's corrupted. It's a spirit of lawlessness. It's a spirit over all the world. And if we're not careful, it creeps onto us. Listen, we submit ourselves to our king. I, I, I want to be changed by heart, oh God. Don't let me adopt the principles I see in the world around me. Don't, don't, let, me, don't let me murmur the way they, they're all murmuring. And I, I, listen, we murmur out there too. We get upset when the coffee lineup's too long. We murmur about that. That's, maybe that's a chance, but uh, I'm just saying, like, it's easy to do it. But let's say, when it comes to you, O Lord, I'll reverence the things of God. I'll reverence the word of God. It is not just taken casually like everything else. Listen, we're affected. I'm affected. That's why you need to be washed daily. That's why you need to let the washing of the water of the word. That's why you need to read the word. That's why you need to, to pray daily. Why? It'll help you. It'll help you in the things of God. I believe we're in that time. I've got to move along. Verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples but they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I'll always be careful. Brother Brandon would say, let, you know, I always keep myself. I keep, Paul would say, I keep under my spirit. I keep it in subjection. And Brother Brandon would say the same thing. Why? Lest at any time Satan should get advantage of. We are not ignorant of his devices. I'm not immune. Not one of us is immune. But God help us just to stay humble, to stay meek, to stay before God. So we are living in a manifesting time. And I, I could take this two ways, and I'm really going to take it one way today. But it is a manifesting time of all that God thought. 
of all that God planted. In terms of the word, God has evoluted to a time where he's coming to the greatest relationship was typed in the Garden of Eden as God and his bride. It's not so much my thought today. But it's also a time when Satan has evoluted. He is now, no other age was he called the God of an age. But this age, he's called the God of an evil age. It is, that's why messages like Satan's Eden, that's where we're at. Listen, you might be comfortable, I might be comfortable in the things that Laodicea offers us, but don't ever get settled on them. My goodness, we complain if, 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 if something's not right. And, you know, sometimes it's, it, it would do us really good to see brethren in other countries who have a lot less and are happy. And I say, oh, God, help me to always be grateful. Keep, my, keep me with a good heart about things. But all the world around us, as I already said, politics, the agenda, the things that, this, this is the culmination of Satan's Eden. The, you can see it in education and the teaching. You see it in religion. There's so many opinions around religion, and it's so watered down. I'll come to it yet. But it's evoluted to that time. It's, as Brother Branham would speak, the measure power of transformation or God's power to transform. He said, there was one who was a deformer, and that deformer has been at work all this time. So he said, so now is the manifesting time. Now, I, I, I really just drop a couple of things in in a nutshell. But one of the, the great things is the seven church ages, and I will refer to it in a few services, because it's not just history. It is showing how Satan worked in every age and how he comes right down to the end. And listen, he'll use any one of those things. What Brother Branham brings in the seals is he brings it over. What the Bible t declares is that there was uh, different um, anointings. So in the first age, it was typified in the seals by a white horse rider that went out conquering and to conquer, but he didn't have, uh, he didn't have any arrows in his bow. So he's typing it out. Now, I'm not going to speak all this, but I'm just dropping it in. But that was Satan riding out. Listen, what's amazing to me is Brother Branham walked so close with God, thought all along that that, was, that white horse rider was Jesus Christ. Up until the moment he starts to break the seven seals. I, I want to be led by God the same way. No matter what I think, Lord, you lead me. You show me your word in the time and the season that I need it. Don't depend on our, our wisdom. We're depending on him. That's the one we're depending on. No, no. A white horse rider, then it goes to a red horse, then to a black horse, and finally to a pale horse. Now those riders rode through history, the pale horse ride has actually not yet begun. The pale horse ride is the culmination of the powers of all of those other riders combined. It is, as Brother Branham would say, the coming together of political and religious and demonic powers all coming together. Now, we are, 
If it isn't writing, we are under the influence of the coming together. And increasingly the world is speaking with one voice. One voice which is bringing climate change and bringing economic things and political things and morality of a woke agenda all together. Brother Jerry, as you and I talked in years, it is again like Genesis 11 where all the people would speak with one voice and one mind. Why? It's a coming together and the goal was to circumvent what God was doing. It'll never happen. Not to us, not to a people. I say, live in this world. We partake of the tree of knowledge, but don't ever rely on it. There's a tree of life that we need to be a part of. So, so those powers are gathering. That's our battle. Now, I don't want to be here when they manifest in fullness, when the rider hops on. And I, I don't know how far away he is from hopping on. I won't get through all of it, but Satan, who was a dragon, and there was a beast, and there was an image to the beast. All of these things are manifestations, but they started somewhere. There's an evolution of the Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm just going to work to it, see how far the Lord will help us to go today. Turn with me to Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14. Now, verse 6. This is one of the scriptures that, that really spoke to a lot of us at the time of the coming out of the message. Brother Branham would refer to it. It'll come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at the evening time it shall be light. So in, in the coming together of this pale horse ride, pale the color of death, but the mixture of all these other horses, you know, nothing is certain. It's, it's all gray. There, there's no sure place. In the middle of that's a treacherous place to be. But it's what the culture, the enemy, is bringing upon the earth. But in that time, God promised there would be a light. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Pick this up, and I, I'm just looking in natural terms for a moment, because these are things that we can see with our eyes, but we don't just need to see with our eyes, we need to see the Spirit behind them. Now this is, this is the culmination. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. So we're being gathered, but as we are gathering, there's something else happening that you be not soon shaken or be in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. And it's at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come first, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." Now listen, look, look, at, look at the culmination. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God and or wor that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, 
showing himself that he is God. Now, that's what's happening, friends. When, when, when Brother Doug was here, and Brother Doug is responsible with Brother Paul LaFontaine for doing, finishing the translation in the Spanish language, both their churches had worked hard on doing it, but to, to put the Spanish language, and sometimes there's one translation that can help so much further, because the Spanish language is in Spain. The Spanish language is in, in, in some countries in Central America. It's in some countries in South America, and so it hits a lot of people. But Spanish is, is predominantly is also in the Philippines. Spanish language is in a lot of countries where the Catholicism reigns. And Catholicism, the number one supporter of the Pope in out of all the nations is Mexico. They give the greatest economic support out of all the nations. Total allegiance to one man. Whatever he says. And if he says, we're going to give rights to gays, okay, it must be right. Have you never read Romans chapter 1? Hey, where is this going? It's leading up to Revelations 18. And in her was found every unclean bird. Wherefore, come out from her, my people. That's a voice we've also heard. But where did that all start? It started somewhere. Now, he shows himself as God. I, I really could read more here. Let's drop, drop down to verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders, all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned by it who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, it, it can be so simple. You know, it, it's, it's sometimes how a question is phrased. You know, you, you can ask a question and say, like the rich young ruler, what must I do? Or you, the, the people on, sorry, in the Acts chapter 2, what must we be do to be saved? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. And this promise is unto you. So that's a good answer. And the rich young ruler that came to Jesus also, and he, and he says, good master, what can I do that I can inherit eternal life? Well, he says, well, love the Lord, love your neighbor, do, do all these things. I've done all of these, and then Jesus looks further. Now, if you really wanted, sell everything you have. But he saw that his heart was affection to the world. Oh, God, burn it out of us. Burn it out of us. Don't be like Lot's wife, just turning back, looking at something. It was still in her heart. Burn it out of us. You can ask a question. This day, you can say, what must I do to be saved? Or you can ask it another way. What do I have to do to avoid hell? And the second one, 
Yeah, you, you can get all the doctrines right, but you still don't have a love for the truth. God, give us a love for the truth. Place it in our heart, Lord. Don't make it a law. Make it something real. Now, so here is this God, worship this God, and it talks about a mystery of iniquity. I'm not going to go into it fully today, but it's deceivableness, and to reject God as he deals with your heart can put you into a place where God sends a delusion. Now, that's in the religious world. It can actually also happen in our midst. We're not immune. There's only one thing that's going to protect you, not the name of the church you attend, but it's whether you have the token in your life. And I, and I will say, as the brothers have been echoing in the services, friends, make sure you have the token. It, it's not just believing the message, but it's applying the message. It was only in effect when it was applied. There are four token messages. I've been listening to them. And I'm convinced, friends, it's, it's more serious than we think it is. I'm not here to throw dread on you. I'm here to encourage you. Say, we've got to press in more than we've ever pressed in. Now, I'm going to talk about evolution. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 28. This is Ezekiel. Now, the prophets, God would take a prophet. He would lift him up. He would show him things to come. And then he would come back down and he would speak. So sometimes they would speak things that was, seemed strange. But here's, here's one of the prophets that speaks, and it's Ezekiel. And he's speaking about this place called Tyrus. Tyrus was a port city in the region. It was near Zidon. But he's speaking and he's addressing this kingdom. And he's addressing, the first of all, the prince of this kingdom. Now, he's not just speaking in natural terms. And this will become very apparent as you're reading it. And he says, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Now, we just read 2 Thessalonians, somebody who's sitting in the temple as God, but it wasn't just moving up into a temple over in Rome somewhere, but it was a spirit. And that spirit doesn't just isolate itself to a geographical region. It can come into our hearts. It, it, it came in the days of Isaiah, it, when, when Uzziah was the king, it came onto him when he thought I could step into the channel and go in the temple and do things. Why? He got lifted up. I love the messages God sent our way. He would send us the seals, and then he would send us, humble thyself. Why? Because we need both. Hey, he, Paul was the greatest messenger, but yet God sent him a thorn in the flesh. Why? To keep him humble. Thank God for your trials. Oh, if you didn't have trials. What if every time you prayed, it would just answer it? Huh. Wow, you'd think you're invincible. You'd think you're, 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 God has special favor. No, we are subject to one spirit. That is the spirit of God. 
every one of us, minister, officer, every one of us, in, in the whole message of the hour, there is no great man. God uses different vessels. But don't ever get your eyes on a man. Keep your eyes on God. Let God be first. If God uses a minister and brings, thank God for it. But I say this, why? This is the danger. Now God's addressing uh, through the prophet the spirit that was on a king. And he says, now verse 3, Behold, you're wiser than Daniel. There's no secret that can be hid from you. With your wisdom and with your understanding, you've gotten riches. You've gotten gold and silver unto thy treasures. And by thy great wisdom and by thy traffic, hast thou increased thy riches. And thine heart is lifted up because of, because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers among you. And he now addresses the judgment of him. But look at, look at the condition that was there. And I'm just saying, friends, if we're not careful, Satan will try to bring us to that condition. If he can't knock you down, if he can't punish you with, with thoughts and with negativity and that you're no good and your past is this, he'll lift you up. I'll say there's, there's, a, there's a place to be maintained where you don't have to be beat down by the devil, but you don't go so far. And Paul said, I keep my body under subjection. God help us to keep it. You know, there, there's something, no matter how used you can be of God. And I, I, I think there's no, no greater example than Peter. Peter, who do men say I am? Oh, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elias, some of this. And he said, but who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, Peter, you didn't learn this of yourself. Flesh and blood didn't reveal, but God in heaven revealed it to you. And Peter is thinking, wow, that's great. I said the right thing. A couple verses down, and then Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem to be crucified. Lord, you'll never be crucified. And the same Jesus turns to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Hey, it's that quick. Ah, submit yourself to God, to his word. We are nothing without him, but we are everything with him. I, I could read more of this. I'm going to just leave, leave part of this, but no, notice this. He's addressing, you were in Eden. So where did this start? In the Garden of Eden. You have beauty. You have riches. You, you have knowledge. You have worship. You have all of these things. Listen, spirits don't die. The spirits that were there in the first exodus, they came through in the second. They come through in the third. And we ought to learn from them. I'm going to take a little bit of time with this just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul would, would say to, to us, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, he would say, Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I want you just, just to, to think about your life. This is, I don't want to make this pie-in-the-sky history. This is very real. Whatever we fight, I, I, I watch in the prayer lines, and Brother Branham will address different people, and he would, he would just, he would identify characteristics of spirits. And he would say, oh, 
you, you've got a, a certain um, uh, thing. And, and he says, oh, that demon likes to dwell in low, swampy places. I think it was asthma. I, I, I was amazed. There, there was a, uh, years ago, a couple, they had a little farmhouse and we had designed a house for them. And they lived by a river and they, and they said two of their kids had asthma all their life. And when they lived right by this river, this, this little place, he says, when they, when they moved and they got further, uh, they went to Red Deer. It says the asthma left them. Just by the place they were dwelling. Now, I, I, I won't say where it is because maybe some of you live there and you don't have it and I don't want you to get it, okay? <laughs> don't, don't believe. But I'm just saying, the prophet addressed those things. He, a sister would come and he'd say, Oh, I see in the afternoon, you get the blues come on you. You get real moody, you get real low, and you get weak. He said, it's a spirit. Now, I I want you to think about where, and every one of us will have a different answer to this, but where does the enemy come to you, and how does he start? You know, it, it, and I'm just going to deal with the spirit realm just, just for a moment. You might get up in the morning And that's why I think it's so important to put the Word of God before you, to put prayer before you, to get your mind in a channel. I I think it's very, very important. You want to be an overcomer? Start there. And then also go to bed at night and let it be the Lord that's the last one on your mind. Not some YouTube clip or some commercial that jumped in between. And now you got a dream and you're wondering where that dream came from. I'll tell you where it came from. Something you saw. And it came into your spirit. And the enemy uses it. He's ruthless. But maybe you wake up in the morning and, and I'm just saying, maybe you wake up in the morning, you happen to look at the news and you, oh, you got depressed. You didn't understand it. Before you know it, you got the blues. And then after a while, the blues, you just get down. And then you get discouraged. And after you get discouraged, you get depressed. And you sink into depression. Listen, where did it start? It started with a thought. Just a little negative thought. You know when you got to start? Cast it down right at the beginning. Don't let him have an inroad. Cast down the thinking. How often do we dwell and engage in a thought realm? In, In whatever, a fantasy or something that ought not to be, and you didn't even have it in the first place, but the enemy planted it, and you allowed yourself to dwell on it. Brother Brandon would make this, he would say this, greatest battle ever fought. And he would talk about how we're a dual person. We have five senses in the body, but there's a sixth sense faith. He would go on to say, we have three separate components, a body realm with five senses, a spirit realm with three senses, and then there's a soul which has two senses. And he says, now the, in, if you read it in Greatest Battle, he refers to the soul as a spirit realm. That's kind of typical in the message He will refer to it, but after the seals, he always refers to that inner realm as the soul. But he says now, in that soul realm, it's only one sense, faith or doubt. Satan begins at the principal part to cause the soul of man to doubt God's word. 
he begins to lay that in there. Now, this is going what Brother Bram said. Satan has achieved a lot by using these rules. But then he drops in the part that we can do. Now, if this church right now could be put together and knitted together with every person in one accord, not one shadow of doubt. Just, just imagine this. He said, these things are coming. But you come, and there's not a negative thought. It's just all on God. It's all, and if you do get a negative thought, you cast it out. And you unify together. He said, if you could get to that place, there would not be a feeble person in our midst in five minutes. There would be nobody here desiring the Holy Ghost, but what would receive it? If you can just get that thing fixed. But that's where the battle begins, right in your mind. Now, he, he will say, the mind accepts it, it catches it, and it becomes life in you. Now, for the good or the bad. But, but that's, that's the way Satan does these things. Now, the, the battle... The battle started in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way back to this a little bit. But it started in heaven, and, and it comes down to earth. Now, let's just go back to Isaiah for a moment here. Isaiah 14. Why, why are you doing this, Brother Ed? Because I want to I wanna be an overcomer, and I want us all to be overcomers. And I don't want the devil to beat any of us down. And I want us to be better armed and better protected. And I, I want to say, I, I, I don't want to engage in Satan's question. I, I love how that was phrased last weekend. You know, when he comes, well, it's how the question is framed. Well, hang on a second. I don't need to answer that question. Jesus did the same thing. You know what? Somebody came to him one time and, 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 and they said, you know, he says, you know, there's, the Bible says this and this. How do you, what do you say? He says, like they asked about John, is, you, know, uh, you know, they asked him another question, but Jesus answered, he says, well, you're asking me that, let me ask you something. The baptism of John, was it of God or was it of men? And they thought, well, if we answer this way, he's going to get us this way. If we answer that way, he said, we cannot say, and he says, neither do I. I'm not going to tell you either. And just as simple as that. I'm not going to engage with the devil. I'm going to trust what the first Eve fell from, I'm going to avoid. How? I'm not going to go on to the devil's turf. Brother Bram said the first battle started in heaven when, when, when Lucifer, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let, let's, let's finish, let's go to this thought here. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now, look, look at, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne upon the stars of God. You actually, look, look at where he says, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. If you actually Follow that through in the anointings. The eagle anointing is on the side of the north. That's the place he desires because that's where God is coming to a fullness. And he wants to be God in that time. And he is being presented to the world as God. But this is what was in his heart. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. Now, I, I didn't go back to it, but in Ezekiel 28, verse 15, it's addressing this spirit, and it would say, you were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Now, can you imagine, and just draw the picture with me, but here's God, he's created the angels, and, and now he has given them all a place, and there's different levels of angels. There's cherubims, there's seraphims, and then he has one angel, which is called the morning star, brighter than all the angels. And he says, sit at my right hand and watch. And he allows him to watch as God speaks the word, let there be light. As God said, let the earth bring forth. Let all of these things. And I don't know at what time somewhere he's going, I wish I could do that. And he wasn't willing to take the position that he was given, which was the highest position among all the angels. And something rose up in him. Now, friends, this is how the enemy will come to every one of us. Whatever our weakness, he'll come and there'll be something somewhere where we're not content with what God has given us. I, every one of us has, listen, we'll be tempted, as the prophet said, by, to, to ministers, to, to men in general, by women, by money, by pride. And Brother Branham would say, I keep myself protected on all of those things. And wherever our weakness is, we keep ourselves protected. Are, are you with me this morning? He says, I'm, I'm, I, I trust there's something being ministered. I'm coming down to something. I want to make it more relevant in a moment. But just think about where this started from. Now, now these, these were, this wasn't, Satan wasn't, he was, he was Lucifer. He wasn't Satan even then yet. He was Lucifer, the bright morning star. And he was, or the, sorry, the son of the morning. That's who he was. And here he was sitting there, but somewhere iniquity began to rise. And I don't know how long it took, but, but it began to be, now listen, he was well instructed in worship. He was well instructed. He could be pervasive. And, and he was so pervasive that he told a tale. He may have had a tale too, I don't know. But he told a tale. And his tale drew a part of the angels. And, and listen, these were angels that were there created by God. And yet... There was another group of angels among them. I don't know, that looks good, but I, I can't go along with that. Oh, if you've got that in you today, you ought to say thank you, Lord, because all that dwell on the earth that, will, that don't have that, they will take on the mark of the beast. But oh, thank God that there's something here that you can accept everything God says. And you're not here to take a higher opinion or a better thought. Listen, there's been many around this precious message. And, and, and Paul would even talk in his day. Some have become enemies of the cross. They be, they've made a god of their belly. They've drew people to their side. They've, they've had things. And, and, and the greatest argument ever made is by Satan. The greatest tale ever told was by Satan, and it was in heaven. 
And when he was cast down to earth, now just think about this. He was cast down to earth, God's Eden on earth, and he couldn't even touch Adam and Eve. Now, God designed it in such a way, Adam was not deceived. Eve was a byproduct. Satan, Satan was there. He could not create. He could not break. But he had to find a bedding ground. He had to find a place where he could, he could work his way in. And he, he, he watched creation. Now, the serpent was created. And Brother Branham would take, make statements like he'd saying, was so close to a man, was actually bigger, more handsome than Adam, and had a place for a soul, but had no soul. In another place, Brother Adam said, he almost had a soul. I don't know how close it came, but Satan saw that, and he knew that, and he convinced that serpent, that being, and he says, hey, let me borrow you, uh, and, 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 I'll, and I'll get in, because he knew that seed would mix. Now, if it was that close back then, it'll come that close in the end. Now, does that mean we're all supposed to sit here and just look at each other? No, it isn't that. Just trust in God. Hey, you can't be deceived if you're of God. But you also need to give yourself to the Lord. Hey, there's, I, I, I marvel at the disciples uh, when, when, when Judas was manifest. Listen, before, I don't know at what time Judas began to move in a different channel. But it would, it would, when the disciples and Jesus said, one of you will betray me, with all one accord, they turned and looked at Judas. No, not one of them even guessed that. They actually, this was their attitude. Lord, is it me? They knew their weaknesses. And hey, and the Bible says, and then, Jesus gave Judas the bag, go and do what you've got to do. And the Bible says after that, Satan entered him. Now, how did it start? He had to create a bedding ground for it. I, I, I'm, if I'm going to sit in church, I don't want to sit there with like all kinds of things bombarding me. They'll, the devil will bombard you anyway. But I just want to say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going along with your word. I'm here to listen. I'm not just a blind robot or anything like that. I've got a free moral agency, but I love you, Lord. Amen. And because I love you, I want what you want for me. And I want to serve you, and I want to glorify you, and I want to do all of these things. I've received the love of the truth, Lord. Now, if we, if we would, we, as we go into this just a little bit, now just think about it. Here is the temptations, and, and, and in the Garden of Eden, it was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Satan, he could not create, but vicariously, he went through the serpent and he injected himself. Now, I'm just going to take this thought a little bit and I'm just going to use the serpent for a moment. Now, God judged that serpent and he took every bone out of his body, took his arms, his legs, he took everything and he judged him and said, on your belly. You'll eat dust all your life. And he says, science will try to find that missing link, but they'll never find it. God has so designed it. If I had time and I'd show some pictures, but friends, this is a truth that we have in this last age. 
that God has shown Satan's tactic in the beginning. And he shows it in the middle of the Bible with Jesus that it might help us at the end of the Bible. Upon whom the ends of the earth are, the earth are come. So here he comes and now, if, if I, he judged that serpent. Now he has Moses coming to deliver Israel. I'm, I'm skipping scriptures just to get to a point. He has Moses come to deliver Israel. He says, I'm going to give you two signs. One is a hand. With, with You pull it in your jacket and out. It's going to be leprous. It's going to take it away. But the other sign is take your rod, cast it down, and it becomes a serpent. And the Bible says when, Mo, when that happened, Moses didn't just sit there and watch it. It said he fled away. Hey, I, don't, I don't like this. And he says, no, just pick it up by the end, and it became a rod again. So he says, I'm going to use this, and you're going to go down to Pharaoh's court, and you will set my people free. And he goes down to Pharaoh's court. And so you can read this in Exodus 4 and then in Exodus 7. And he goes down there, and he cast it down, and he says, by this you'll know. And Pharaoh, and now, he, God never told Moses, hey, somebody's going to replicate that. But here comes Pharaoh's magicians and wise men and soothsayers, and they do the same thing. Actually, if you watch the plagues, the plagues that came, Pharaoh's magicians replicated the blood. They replicated some of it, but there came a time where they couldn't do it anymore. But it came down to it. Now, they, they threw their serpents down. I, I always love this part, if you've seen the Ten Commandments. You know, they, they threw them down, and, and Moses is going, okay. But then all of a sudden, his serpent eats the other serpents. And Moses does as God tells him, and he picks up the rod again. All the serpents combine, and he leaves Pharaoh's court. And there's a bunch of magicians standing there without anything. Hey, our God is still on the throne. He is still the one that will death is swallowed up in victory. He will still be doing it. Now go with me to Numbers 21. I need to make this just a little bit relevant. Numbers 21. This is, let's just pick it up from verse 5. <coughs> and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul doth loathe this light bread. It sounds to me like murmuring. It sounds like complaining. And what does the Lord do, verse 6? And the Lord, now this is after they've tempted him a number of times, he sends fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now the people come to Moses, verse 7, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against thee. I pray thee that he take away the serpents from us. And the Moses prayed for the people. And God gives him this instruction. He gives him this instruction. Make thee a fiery serpent. Set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass. Everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it on a pole, and it came to pass, if a serpent had bitten any man, that when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now just think about God, what was God doing. 
This is a follow through from the serpent in the beginning. God judged the serpent. And he put them up on a pole. The disease that bit them, all they had to do was say, sin is judged. And you just had to look. And by looking at it, you would live. Now, friends, just think about the program of God. The serpent, sin already judged. And all you have to do is look. You don't have to go out there and attack the serpents. You don't have to do anything. But sin already judged. And then there came a man one day. He became sin for us. And he went up. And he went on a pole. And sin was judged. My sin was judged. Your sin was judged. And all you need to do is look and live. When the enemy comes your way, Listen, friends, we're not living under the law anymore. We're not living, but we're living where all you got to do is look. Brother John, that was a wonderful message on, on Friday. If you can, listen to it. Just look. Look away. I think it says in the book of Hebrews, look away from the things over here. Look away. And then, it, then Paul will speak further, seeing the invisible. Seeing the one who has taken your place. Oh, friends, every man that ever comes to God will see him somewhere hanging on a cross for me, for my sins. I used to be joined to a serpent nature. But there, my sins were taken away, and I just need to look. Oh, it, it still kicks up. It's still in here. But it, listen, I'm already saved. I'm already sealed. I've already got the Holy Ghost. No matter what the enemy does, sin has already been judged. I can no more be lost than God can be lost. So there is sin judged. Now, this happens to Israel right as they're on a journey. Now, I, I don't have the time to go through all the things of that first Exodus, but Numbers chapter 10, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, and all of the things, and you can read about how they murmured for water, and they wanted flesh, and they wanted, they wanted the things of, of Egypt, and they wanted these things, and, and how the devil got into all of those things, and how people, because of unbelief, they allowed the devil and now Jude refers to all of that. And Jude says, don't, he says, where did those things come from? He says, fallen angels left their habitation. Listen, what do we gotta do? Just stay behind God's word. So here's the devil. This is Numbers 21. Now here's the devil, and he enters a new tactic. And it's one that reverberates right through the whole Bible, right to the end. Numbers 22. The children of Israel, you actually read, as soon as the serpents came, what the next thing Israel do? They dealt with two kings. There was Sihon and there was Og, these two kings, and they destroyed them. They had a great victory. They're on the road. Everything is good. The serpent, sin has been judged. And I say this, we're under, under Calvary. We just have to look and live. But the enemy is still a slicker. 
So now in, in chapter 22, verse 2, and Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was afraid, and Moab, you know, and, and Moab did all of these things, and Balak was the king of the Moabites, and he sends messengers now, verse 5, Numbers 22, verse 5, he sends messengers unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land, and says, there's a people that are come out of the land. They cover the face of the earth. No doubt Satan had looked at them and said, these people are the offscouring. Like, they're slaves. Couldn't God have picked a better people? But they, he failed to see the shout of the king in the camp. And he worked. Now, he, this just bears, I'm going to take my time just on this last little bit, okay? Here, here, is, here is where Satan's deceit comes in again. So we find here um, Balaam, he finds this, this prophet, this gifted person, and, and Balak comes to him, and I'm not going to read all of this, but, but you can read it now, and he comes from verses 5 to 7, he sends messengers, there's a people on the earth, pray for me that you curse this people, they're too mighty for me, and, and, and he says, and the elders of Moab, verse 7, and the elders of Midian departed with rewards of divination in their hand, and they came to Balaam, and Balaam, because he was gifted, he's going, my, there's something for me here. And he says, let me go and speak to the Lord tonight. And in verse 9, and God comes to Balaam and said, who are these men that are with you? And he says, oh, it's Balak, the king of Moab. And he says, there's a people over the earth that I should curse them. Verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse this people, for they are blessed. Now listen, it is the perfect will of God that he's making known to Balaam. And Balaam comes from that, and he rose up in the morning, and he said a good thing. Listen, I can't do it. God would not allow me. Now, how many times did Satan, through the serpent, come to Eve? Not once. Maybe hundreds. Maybe thousands of times. How many times does he come to us? Every time. Every time. What do we got to protect? The word of God above all. The will of God above all. And he comes now, and, and the princes of Moab went back. They went to Balak. Now verse 15, and Balak sends again princes, now more honorable. If you listen to the message of harvest time, Brother Bram talks about Satan's scheme. Scheme number one, scheme number two, scheme number three. But he says, and they came to him, says, now, here, we've coming, we're, verse 17, we're going to promote you to great honor. I will do whatever you say. Come, I pray, curse this people. And Balak said, if Balak would give me silver and gold, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. But then he just thinks, but it looks so good. What if, what if maybe God changed it? He says, verse 18, or sorry, verse 19. Therefore, wait here, let me see what else God would say. And that's where he made his mistake. That was the error of Balaam. Friends, that has been the error of some message preachers. Why? 
They know God vindicated a prophet. They know it's it's the right thing. But somewhere something came through, whether it was pride or whether it was riches or whether it was something. And they said, let me see what else God would say. And they just began to look over here and that's where they made their mistake. Friends, this devil will come to young people. He'll come to, to, to wives and husbands and he'll come to ministers. He is no respecter. He'll come to every one of us. Listen, he'll come to a minister in the pulpit, Brother Branham, the message and knoweth it not. And he says, God will bless the minister. He'll do this. And then he'll come and he's about to speak something and he'll say, if I speak this, some people in the church will leave and he holds back. And that's where you make your mistake. Oh, friends, do we want any kind of a little loophole or any kind of a little... No, we want the pure word of God. Listen, the world has become so... (laughs) I'll tell you what's happened is the word of God has now been put in a place where it's just the advice of God. That's why you have preachers like Joel Osteen. That's why you have Oprah Winfrey saying, I believe in God, and if I feel good about it, I'll do it. Listen, the word of God is not comfortable. But this is the world around us. And you think, oh, thank God I'm not in those churches. It doesn't stop there. Satan comes right to where we're at. He will come and he will tempt every one of us. But this is written for our admonition. And it's, listen, Moses actually rehearses it in the book of Deuteronomy to the new generation. Remember what Balaam did. Now you you can, if you want, go back to the beginning, the evolution of it. God had a will. He had a word. But there was an archangel, or there was an angel beside him who sought his own will. I, I will say, we, we, we want to be yielded so to God, Lord, whatever you desire, whatever your will, I cast myself upon you. I, I want to be in that place. I don't want to come like Judas did, right to the end, and, and see where it is, and Brother Bannon would refer to it as Pentecost. He would come to Pentecost and he would turn around and go back. But where, what happens at Pentecost? You die out to self. You allow God to take over. And you know, when you can do that, I'll tell you what, it may be the biggest challenge, but it is the greatest victory you will ever have in your life. When you can let everything go and say, Lord, not my will but thine. Not what I want, but Lord, what you want for me. And you know, there'll be like an airplane that crosses the sound barrier. There might be a lot of rumbling, but when you get over on the other side, it is glory unlimited. It is power unlimited. And Balaam, and he says, And then he says, let me see what else the Lord will do. And God came to Balaam. He says, if the men come to call you, God says, rise up. Go with them. But yet the word what I'll say to you, that she'll do. So he was still governed by God. But now he was operating in what we call the permissive will of God. You want to go in the world and have a little bit of the message? Go ahead. I'll give it to you. Do you really want that? Do you want to ride the fence? 
You want to say, well, Lord, I, I want to serve you, but I, I still want to be able to watch a movie. I, I want to serve you, but I still want to be able to do this and this. Listen, the hour is late. Lord Jesus, help us. Only you, Lord. Only you, Lord. And so here he comes, and, and, he, and he's, he's just riding his donkey, or the Bible calls it an ass here, and he says he's riding and his two servants with him. And the, and the donkey, the ass, sees an angel of the Lord standing in the way. And, 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 and it's going like, I don't want to go there. But Balaam can't see it. Why? He's blinded. He's now blinded. He can't see it. And it rubs up against the stone wall. And as it rubs up against the wall, Balaam whips it. What are you doing? And, and, and finally, the, the donkeys, and, and there was no place to go. And the donkey starts talking to him. And he's, he's so full of anger. He's going this and this. Listen, didn't I serve you? And he says, yeah, I know. He doesn't even realize he's talking to a donkey. He's so filled with wrath. He's just having a conversation with the donkey. And he's, yeah, yeah, this and this and this. And he goes... But then, finally, as he comes to a place, and she says, and he says, down into verse 31, and the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord. Amen. And then the angel said, why have you smitten thine ass these three times? I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. Listen to the message, friends. Does God change his mind about his word? Do you want to fall into the trap of Balaam? Do you want to fall into the trap of, of because you receive not the love of the truth that God gives a great delusion? Oh, take me away from that, Lord. Don't let me fall there. And Balaam says in verse 34, I have sinned. And the angel says, go with the men. Only the word that I shall speak, you shall speak. And Balak went with the princes. And they came to the city of Moab and Balak. He says, don't you know that I'm able to promote you to great honor? He said, I can't do anything but what God says to me. So he's still, the gift is still operating. But his way had become perverse. Can I just pick this up in, in, in the end again? Because the Bible would say, uh, let, me, let me save it just for, for a bit here. Let me just finish the story. So now he says, and Balak took Balaam to the high places of Baal. And that he might see the uttermost of the people. And Balaam, now when he's there, it doesn't show up right now. But what does he see? He sees their hinder parts. Oh. But he forgets that the shout of the king, the angel of God is in this camp. Yeah, do message people have hinder parts? They do. But don't be in a position where you're looking down on them anywhere. Always see the blood of Jesus before you. And so here's Balaam. And Brother Branham would actually say this in the church. He was fundamental. He had seven altars, seven sacrifices, the same as Moses. And in fact, he says, the same anointing that was on Moses was on Balaam. Oh, my. That's a hard one to swallow. That's what he said. And he says... And he has this burnt offering. And, and, and the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth in, in chapter 23, verse 5. And speak this. And, and he begins to speak about the people of Israel. And he can't curse them. He keeps speaking out blessings. And he keeps doing this again and again. And Balak is getting upset at him. I paid you to curse these people. I can't do it. The gift still operated. 
but his way had become perverse. And finally, in chapter 24, now it's, it's amazing. Here's chapter 22, 23, 24. They're all there. And, and the Bible goes into detail. And I believe if the Bible goes into detail, it's worthwhile reading. I, I'm skimming over it right now. But I believe it's worthwhile just putting yourself in those shoes and saying, how does that apply to me where I am at today? Listen, we're, we're gonna, what are we doing? We're going to defeat the enemy. We're not adverse to his tactics. And he says, now in chapter 24, he lifts up his eyes. He saw Israel, and he has some of the most beautiful prophecy. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. And he just begins to say all of these things. And verse 10, Balak is so angry with him and does all of these things. And he prophesies later on about a star will arise out of Jacob and all of these things. And the Bible doesn't say a lot more here. And in chapter 25, verse 1, it just has these words. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. There's a lot of blanks here. How did this happen? How did Balak come? And how did this happen? And how did they begin to do this? Go with me just over to Revelations. Revelations chapter 2. I'm going to skip a bunch of scriptures. Revelations chapter 2. And, and actually, this spirit, which was in the Old Testament, carried over to the New Testament. And, and it, I'm not going to the infancy where it was just a, a, the, the, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, just little influences, little things that were coming in. But now it, it goes into the next church age and the next, and, and, and it would say this in chapter 14. It says, I have a few things against you. This is to Pergamos. I have a few things against you because you hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now look at this. It went from, you can read this in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now it says, people in this last day, they follow the way of Balaam. What was the way the angel said? It's perverse before me. They follow the wages of unrighteousness. Then you go over into Jude, verse 11. And it says, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have run after the error of Balaam. So now a way became error. What happened in the first church age under a Nicolaitan spirit became manifest in a greater way. The spirit was evoluting. And what happened further? It became from a way to an error to a teaching and a doctrine. And that's the very things that denomination started with. Taking the word, their own word above the word of God. We, we can talk. Listen, we've got young people in here. We just think denominations are wrong. The spirit of denomination doesn't stop at other churches. It can come right in amongst us and you adopt something somebody else says instead of what God convicts your heart. 
Don't be in that place. This is between God is jealous of his bride. He wants a relationship with everyone personally. He wants to deal with every heart personally. Listen, it's not about me. I, I'm, I'm just a, a go-between. But it's God who wants to have a place. So it goes from a way to an error, to a teaching, to a doctrine. And it would say here in, in this, and it says, Balak, he taught Balaam. He says, hey, I got a plan. Here's the plan. We're at Baal Peor. And actually, if I took the time and said what Baal Peor meant. But he says, we're here. Let me show you. I saw their hinder parts. They have a weakness. They had it, they had it in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men. And he says, hey, what you're going to do is you're going to have a barbecue. And you're going to have a barbecue, and you're going to invite everybody over from Moab. You guys are just cousins. You're all family. We're all Christians, aren't we? <laughs> I'm glad there wasn't a lot of amens on that. <laughs> hey, come to the barbecue. We're all going to be good. We're all going to be fine. And the Moabitish women, inspired by a spirit, who was the master of worship? Satan. And they began to worship. Hey, a little bit of rock and roll. It ain't too bad. And when they had the rock and roll, there's a certain body movement that goes with it. And then the women are dancing. And the men of Israel started to look at them. And they had, hey. And, and their heart was drawn from them. Who did that? Satan, a spirit, but he used a vessel. He used a prophet. He used one that had everything in line just as much as Moses, but his heart wasn't right. Somewhere iniquity came in. Why are you saying this all, Brother Ed? Because I want to spare somebody. Listen, we've all been down the road too far. We've all been down the road too far, and we've seen people look like they're stable people, and all of a sudden they're gone. I'll tell you what, it didn't start the moment they left. It started way before. And that's why I say, when you come to church, don't put off. Listen, don't let your thoughts go, I, I'm, I wish this service would be over. I wish this would be this. I wish they wouldn't go. I, why are they, I, what are we going to do for lunch? And Listen, those, those are all valid things. They might cross your mind. They probably are now. But I'm just saying is, don't find yourself resisting what God is saying. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, he taught, he taught them. Now, this actually, I won't go into today, but this, this parallels completely with Constantine's feast. Constantine took the people and the culture of the day and he mixed it with religion and he said, hey, come, let's go together. And he made a political, and they, it was in that age, they became married. Friends, we were married to sin but when we took the serpent and sin that was judged, and that husband was dead, Romans 7, when you have a husband that is dead, now you can be married to Christ. But you need to die to the old husband, the old worldly nature, the old thoughts, the old things, and then you can be married to him. I'm not angry. I just see it being very serious. I don't have time to get into all of this, but sometimes I just had a situation. Somebody in the message wanted a certain thing. 
And I said, Brother Ed, you're a minister. You can help me with this. And I said, okay. Explain the situation. Oh, it doesn't sound right. And he says, but Brother Branham said this over here, and he said this over here, and we can get in the same place. We look at the end, and this is what I want. And whatever means I need to get there, I'll find the quote. I'll find the scripture. But as long, listen, that's what, what, Bal- that's what Balaam did. He got into a place where the end justifies the means. Because I see what I saw, what God showed me. Therefore, whatever I have to do, that's what I'm going to do. And you see it right in our ranks, friends. You have people, they'll search out this, they'll search out this. You meet with somebody sometimes and they ask you a question and you give an answer the best you know and they just come back with another. And they'll come back with another. And I go, listen, I, don't, I like how Brother Brown said, I don't know. Brother says, I, I don't know how with all the answers. I, I, I want to be that way. But some people are, like, I'm just saying, and, and I'm not pointing at anybody here, I'm just saying, these spirits are among us, and we could, I could get caught in it. Any one of us could get caught in it. But give me the spirit of Christ. Amen. Give me the, the simplicity to not fall into Balaam's trap. Let's have the musicians come. I'll, I'll wind my thought here. What I'm saying is the evolution of a spirit. It started in heaven. It's, it was in the Garden of Eden. It was in the first exodus. It was, it was in Balaam. And listen, Balaam goes right through the scripture. And, and I say there's a little, little battle that's told. I think it's Deuteronomy 31 or Numbers 31. I forget which one. It says the, is, in, the children of Israel were in a battle and then the Moab killed. And it says, and such and such were killed and Balaam the prophet was killed also. God is no respecter. God knows what's in our hearts today. Lord, my heart is open. My heart is open, Lord. Search me, try me. See if there be any wicked way. I, I, Brother Bradham said he does it daily. I need to do it daily. I need to do it when I come up here before the pulpit that I don't project anything of self but that I can be as neutral as possible that God can speak. Oh, do you love him today? Lord, my heart is open. Let's just sing a chorus of that. Lord, my heart is open and won't you come come inside fill up all my peace ever to abide will I open all the windows and throw
Sai, 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 Sai,